says, get that India, big boy. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Tip Sheet Podcast. As always, I'm your host, John, also known as 4020. It's not quite the instant reaction podcast due to some uh, logistical issues getting back from the game for my good mate 60s, but joining me for a morning after look at our week one finals loss to the Penrith Panthers is my aforementioned great mate. Unfortunately, big fella, not the sort of uh, uh, result we wanted to convene on, but it's not over, and he'll still have another bite at the cherry, which is why the top four was so important for him. How are you um, holding up after a pretty torrid night out at Penrith? Yes, mate. It was, uh, as you mentioned, it was near midnight when I got home last night, so it was just a bit too late to go recording the Instant Reaction podcast last night. So we're doing it not so instantly, uh, and with the uh, cold, hard light of the day um, facing us, let me just get something off my chest to start off with. I have been going and watching football for well over 55 years. I I am an ancient bugger. But <laughs> the last night, I was sat next to singularly the biggest tool that I've ever had to sit next to at the football, which made the result even worse. Now, let me just say, Penrith are a class team and won last night's game on on their merits. And But I throughout the game, I was sitting there and I'm praying to whatever football god I could pray to that Parramatta won the game because this bloke next to me was making my life hell during the night. It began during the minute silence where he refused to stand and instead sat there with his arms and middle finger extended during the middle, mirror, minute silence. So straight away I've got the impression of what I'm dealing with. He arrived, <laughs> he arrived either drunk or stoned carrying a full... Um, tray of beers, six beers for himself with his his girlfriend with her own drinks. Then for 80 minutes, the abuse, the tirade of abuse about about Parramatta people, about the Parramatta team, every second word was either an F or a C bomb. Now, you know me, mate, I'm no shrinking violet when it comes to language. I'm not <laughs> we we don't we don't drop language here on the no. podcast because there's no there's no point in it, right? But I'm not a I'm not a shrinking violet about that sort of thing. But he was in my ear the entire night. And here's the irony of it. He's going on about Parramatta people being housos, <laughs> about Parramatta people being dole bludgers and, and we'll be off, at, off to Centrelink queuing up for our, our bludging ways on, at the start of next week. He was on about us being weak Cs, about the team being weak Cs, effing weak Cs. He was just relentless and... I'm doing my best to ignore him, which I actually did do. But by the end, he's trying to engage me personally. He starts telling me, I can go now. I can F and go now. Off you go. All this sort of stuff. Again, I ignored him. Um, I just, and the thing was, you know, they've got those phone numbers that you can, they put up for antisocial behavior, you know, report antisocial behavior at the football. Um, and he was certainly antisocial, but you know, what do you do if you report someone like that? Like, can I 
say, can I rem- get this bloke removed? He's just the biggest <laughs> moron I've ever sat planet. next to who's yeah. made this ex- whole football experience. So I've decided, mate, because you know this is my first dance in terms of being hassled and made my football experience made terrible going up to Penrith Park. I, I definitely have a new superpower, the one that I hadn't <laughs> even thought of. Useless my superpowers. superpower yep. is to attract the yep. biggest – Penrith tools because every club has got supporters like this, right? But how I find them in nearly every Absolute trip magnet. that I take to Penrith Park, yeah, it, it's it was awful, mate. I, I'm I'm not doing it justice. Well, I don't know why you're surprised, Sixties, because when you shot me a text message of a cracking picture of your you know great seats that you secured here, I knew that you signed up for the premium seats that came with the premium. Penrith supporter package next to him. So. Oh, mate, yeah. <laughs> you got, you got the, delu- you know, the deluxe I, deal right there. <laughs> I was I was so happy when I got into the ground and, you know, I, our seats were in what they called their diamond category, and um, which, you know, was around the $70 mark or something like that. And, uh, you know, I ran, ran into one of the – uh, in, into a number of Parramatta people. Uh, I'm talking about leagues club directors and staff and what have you. And we had, look, we had better seats than, you know, they were telling me, oh, if it rains, or, you know, we're going to get wet and all this sort of stuff. And I'm thinking, you know, geez, we're so lucky to get these seats in the, in the scramble for seats, you know, just in the normal um, way that you had to go about getting seats with uh, ringing up and, uh, sorry, with uh, going online to, to purchase the tickets. And, um, and I sent you that photo. I tried to send you video as well of the of of the hills and how like we walked in two hours or something like that before game time, and the hills were packed. Like there was, if you had general admission, if you weren't there two hours before the game, you weren't going to get a, a spot there. It was it was amazing to see the scenes in there. Both hills packed, absolutely jam packed, and. Everyone queued trying to get food and drink, like long queues for any possible food or drink outlet. And, of course, just a scattering of people in the stands at that stage. And I thought, how good is this? That bloke rocked up literally as it was kickoff. So he he's rolled in about five minutes before the teams have come out on the field. So I had no idea what I was in for. I was thinking, I've got an empty seat next to me as well. This is unbelievable. Nice and spacious, so I can, you know, I can really stretch out here. How luxurious! I'm at Penrith Park, and I'm thinking, how luxurious is this? Nah, <laughs> <laughs> no. And so, not only did we have to go through the agony of the of the loss, I had to do it with this absolute king of the morons in my ear the whole night. And as I said. He, he wasn't yelling this out at the top of his voice. He was being loud into my into the side of my head and deliberately so for the whole game. So, yeah, mate, if, uh, I know you're not going to be listening, but <laughs> up yours. Look, I had to – and for anyone who's sitting there going, oh, mate, 60s, just get on with it. I had to get that off my chest because to, I can't yeah. talk. I cannot yeah. talk about football without getting that off my chest because I was absolutely. I, I was just fuming, leaving the ground. 
Um, and it was, yeah, I was upset about what happened out in the football field, but, yeah, you know, there, well, there's, and we'll talk about that, and yeah. we should talk about let's that. Let's talk so, Turkey, yeah. big fella. Not the result we're looking for, but it, it is an interesting result to dig into because this was a game where the Eels were in and up to their eyeballs at least three quarters into the game with an 8-6 to six lead up until the 59th minute. 8 to 7 8 7 because that field, yeah. yeah. Uh, but ended up losing this game 27 to 8 on the back of a string of HIAs an even bigger string of errors and uh just found to take a few opportunities that came their way throughout the course of the game. But thankfully, that's why you secured that top 4 spot, eh? It gives you that second bite of the cherry. For the Panthers though, it was a Brian Toto double followed by Dylan Edwards and James Fisher Harris scoring Cleary Perfect off the tee, four from four, try conversions, added a penalty goal and a field goal. Taylor May went to the bin in the 11th minute after, I, I do not know how the on-field officials missed it, but a, a you know pretty nasty high shot against Will Penasini. But again, the officials, what, what are touch judges 460s? If they're going to miss that, I don't know. Yep. For the Eels. <laughs> don't, don't get me start, started. I mean, we're, we're going to talk about Taylor May because uh, he shouldn't have been in this game and, and probably ended up costing him, but anyway. Um, Oregon Kafusi, he was a lone try scorer for the Eels in the 28th minute off that cutout ball from Reed Money. Mitchell Moses added the extras and also added a penalty goal in the 46th minute. Looking at the team stats, paints a pretty grim picture in some categories, which we're going to have to talk about. Penner slightly ahead in possession, 51 to 49%, uh, equally so. Time possession, 27 14 to 25 36 in favour of the reigning premiers. Completion rates, the first big one, 60s. Penner of 83%, Parramatta, 67%. Just not good enough. And, you know, when you're gifting that much uh, turnovers, that many turnovers to your opposition, especially the reigning premiers, it's going to come back to bite you and look what it did last night. Um, with Penrith having the positional advantage, as you can imagine, all key attacking stats pretty much in their favour. More runs, more run metres, more post-contact metres. Only three line breaks to two, though. Defensively, Parramatta holding up quite well throughout the course of this game. 35 tackle breaks to 30. Again, very close between the two teams. Penrith having a much better average set distance and a much faster play the ball speed at 3.35 to 3.79. Eels offloading more, 12 to 5. And uh, in terms of kick defusals, down at 24% for the Parramatta Eels. Another point of uh, contention we're going to have to talk about, unfortunately. Uh, Eels actually a better defensive effective tackle rate, 88.83%. The Penrith's uh, 86.91%. In terms of the negative plays, though, 14 errors to 10. So it looks like Penrith's been bumped up a couple of errors there. Because I'm pretty certain it was 15 to nine initially uh, on the first pass from the uh, stats last night. So that's been uh, brought back a little bit, but still 14 errors, far too many for the Eels. Only three penalties conceded by the Parramatta Eels, Penrith's five, but they did give away a ruck infringement as well as two inside tens. Got baited by those uh, delayed scrum feeds a little bit by the Panthers throughout the course of that night and got picked on by the rest because of it. Eels used their full suite of interchanges and also had. One head injury assessment, which is definitely not right because we know that Sean Lane, Murata Niakore and Mitchell Moses all went for head injury assessments. So whoever's on the stat keeping is a bit drunk there. Yeah, yeah, mate. It was um, – that, that, look, those stats are interesting. I, I haven't really had a, a good chance to go through the stats. I am trying to just go off the eye test from what I watched last night. And, and bear in mind – there's things that you pick up live that are different to, you know, there's, well, how can I put it? You can, you'll see different things better live uh, at the game. And then you probably, if you're watching on television, you, you get more of the benefit of replays and 
um, stats and analysis coming at you as you go. Now, of course, the downside of that is people's impressions of the game can be coloured oh, by yeah, first commentators' analysis and takes yep. as it goes. And, you know, it's just natural that you're watching it and certain things are being said and, and people go, oh, oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, I hadn't thought about that, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, you you know, oftentimes <clears throat> it's not as much your own uh, perceptions as it, as it can be the commentators. And a lot of people then... Um, either turn commentators off or they'll they might turn to a channel that they prefer or they might listen to the radio whatever the case may be but you know there's there are influences that are out there now all that said i'm going to give first of all a few overall impressions uh from the game first of all penrith are just an exceptionally good football team that play with pace and intensity for the entire game and watching Nathan Cleary live is so much better than watching him on television. The depth at which he digs into the line when he when he carries the ball is just phenomenal. There were times there where as he hit the line, I didn't know whether he was running it or passing it. So deep did he dig into the line. And then the pass that would come out when he'd pass it was like a bullet. Just like, you know, it, there is no denying that he is the elite halfback in the NRL. And as much as there's aspects about Nathan Cleary that I'm not a fan of, I, I, I can't deny what he's able to do. And those, look, Wonga Blake, unfortunately, is going to go down in the annals of finals history as one of the biggest shockers of all times with trying to field those kicks. Mm-hmm. The the opposite side of the coin with that is, unfortunately, we allowed Nathan Cleary to do what he wanted to do with those yeah, kicks. No, in terms no kick of, pressure. Yeah, no kick pressure. He was able to put the work on the ball that he wanted. And those balls, th- th- those balls were flying around up in the air. Um, you didn't know where they were. Um, Wonga, as we, we've spoken about, you've, you you raised it again this morning when we chatted before we started recording. He is a player who can lose confidence if he drops one of those one of those high kicks, mm-hmm. and he and it becomes a real head issue for him. And as soon as he dropped that first one, we knew what was going to happen for the rest of the night. They were going to go back to that well, time and time again. And he unfortunately he it came up for them. Every time he went it was there, interesting too because they thought that Mike Sevo was their mark early on, when Sevo's been pretty safe since he's made his return from that knee injury under the high ball, and then they almost the, the initial kick almost wasn't even Wungus. it was it really wavered between him and Gufferson in terms of like whose uh, third of the field it belonged to. So it got into that midfield point, and Guffer was close to it, and yes, yeah, so well there is a, there is a fair criticism. That can be leveled at Guthrie. Yeah, but it, it was like they almost unintentionally figured yeah, out yeah, that, I get what you're saying. that, yep, that uh, yep. Wanga was, uh, you know, the, the guy to target. And became, and like you said, and, and the follow up to that is, Gufferson probably did a poor job of shielding Wanga once it was exposed. And fair enough that they're bombing it right to the, you know, the far edges of Wanga's uh, side. There's only so much Guthrie can do because if he cheats hard to that side, clearly he's clearly got the class to exploit the rest of the field if he's kicking game. But a lot of those, not a lot, but enough of those kicks ventured close enough to the that 
border between the middle and the the right edge that maybe Gufferson could have done a little bit more to help Wanga once you know he was clearly inside his own head. Yeah, and that's I think there's going to be I'm sure that when the Eels look at the tape and when Gutherson looks at the tape and the coaches, that that's going to be a talking point for them uh, going forward with that because if uh, Wong is selected on the wing and the chances are that he is going to be selected on the wing again going going into the next match, that he he will be targeted again for, for kicks. Now, he doesn't seem to have as much problem. Look, he has had some problems catching the ball, but you know those sort of floaters and spirals that were up there in the... That were, that were put up last night were just, you know, they, they were something else. Um, and he was always going to struggle after he dropped that first one because he just, you could see him moving and the arms extended and he just was like, he's got no idea where this oh, is going. Yeah. He, he's, he's sort of running backwards, sideways. He's not attacking the ball. He's letting the, the bomb sort of dictate where he's going without any conviction. You know, it just, it was an absolute mess after he dropped that initial one. And yeah. unfortunately for Wanger, I think two tries directly resulted from his spills. And I think they were two of the pivotal tries. Yeah. So, so just, just back to those overall impressions I've spoken about. I've spoken about Cleary. Um, Penrith are a team that um, we saw, again, evidence of them chancing their arm because the way that Luai picked up that spilt ball and just popped it straight away and Fisher-Harris did the that, that flick pass onwards. But... It, you know, well, like I said to you, sixties, I actually have beef that play too because the bunker cleared it pretty quickly. But I'm pretty certain the goalpost angle, the one looking down the long view of the field, shows that Luai impacts Wanga. And I'm not going to say it was a you know a massive contact, but he quite clearly impacts Wanga before he's caught the ball, which is by the rules illegal. So not to say that Wanga still would have caught the ball. But he was denied a fair shot at catching the ball. But you know that's you know spilt milk now. Yeah, um, I I can't comment on that because I I haven't watched any any replay of that. Um, and, but, or, or, and and in the context of the game, as much as you want to gripe about little things here and there, if the officiating and you know yes, Penrith were allowed to lay in the ruck compared to us, and a few little things here and there. On the whole, it was a pretty smoothly officiated game. Not too many egregious missed calls or or the like. Certainly, the loss is on Parramatta's shoulders. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. and and I, I want to make that clear as well because uh, Penrith look Penrith go early in as a defensive unit. They they get off the line faster than any team. You could say they jump early, but that's that's no different to every game involving Penrith. And uh, so I'm not putting that down to officials because it's it just seems standard. So it must pass muster because it's passed muster all. All year, they are obviously superhuman in their ability to get off the line and put pressure on the attacking plays. It's just, it's just a, a part of their DNA that's um, that makes me wonder how they. Well, no, not wonder, but applaud the fact that they can play with such intensity and such uh, levels. And of, yeah, that, that's uh, the most impressive part of it. Is like, yes, they're clearly testing whistle fatigue factor for the referees because yeah, if, yeah. The, if the refs were you know, like not not legit, but like if they if they didn't you know buy into that whistle fatigue thing, they would be calling it more often. But the flip side of that is to be fit enough to test a referee in that sort of capacity is honestly impressive. I, I want to come up with a Seinfeld quote and say that they played with unbridled enthusiasm. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, 
Um, <laughs> but that, that's basically what how they are how they are able to play. So uh, just coming back, the, you get that drop ball. They they zing it straight away, like pick the ball up in one go and and yeah, move it now. The in, 15 out of 16 teams are just going to drop on that ball just to regather it. They're not going to go for a miracle play from there. And this is a finals football match that's tight as With a man where the forward, the forward collisions had yeah. been something else out there. I don't know how that translated on the television, oh, but it was no, a the, ferocious. The first, the first 60 minutes were very much chapter two of the book that they started in the Sudden Death Finals last year, these two teams. It was absolutely the sequel that that game deserved right up until Mitchell Moses got knocked out. Yeah, so, um, you know, as I said, that was – and to think that was Penrith's only scoring uh, – only try-scoring m- moment in the first half, that will give you an idea of how well Parramatta was functioning as a defensive mm. unit in that first half. Now, <clears throat> move forward, moving forward, you've, you've got a one-point game uh, – well, no, let, let me backtrack a bit. It was so it was played with that that much intensity that when we were getting down at, at Penrith End, I was concerned that we weren't throwing enough questions at them in attack. And at one point, I verbalised that to um, a mate Rob, and uh, no sooner had the words came out of my mouth, and Oregon Kafusi scores off basically one of one of those. Um, uh, hits off a, off a Reed Marnie yeah. um, pass, and I thought, <clears throat> well, <laughs> okay, uh, this maybe this is the way to go. And then there was a period straight after that where I thought we had gathered some serious yeah. ascendancy. We, we, we were actually starting to roll them through the middle. Yes, uh, we we had absolutely like started to dominate the arm wrestle, and yep. then unfortunately those errors just the they they hamstring us and just robbed us of the, the ascendancy that we had. It was brutal stuff because we were clearly, you know, running with momentum. And, yeah, just unfortunately, we, we spoke about the start of the podcast, you cannot give the team as good as Penrith those sort of opportunities, that sort of field position, and look to get out uh, unscathed. And they just took everything that we could, you know, we gave them, despite, our, you know, some really, really impressive defensive efforts. Yeah, it was just frustrating. And, and it's one of those ones where you look back and just the little moments of this game, Mitchell Moses squeezes his field goal shot by inches to the left. And Cleary responds, comes downfield to the benefit of the seven-tackle restart and manages to pot his despite not hitting it as sweetly as he would have liked. And you know, do, you think they, do you think they took inspiration and, and thought they're prepared to go for a field goal here? Oh, no. Pen- Penrith knew what sort of game it was. Yeah, they, they, they knew it was a game that obviously the final scoreboard doesn't reflect that because of some of the incidents that happened later in the game, particularly with Mitchell Moses, but uh, Sean Lane getting HIA too. Uh, but they, they knew that, assuming that this follows any sort of normal script where guys are, you know, the core players are on the field in the last five, uh, five to ten minutes, then they're going to need every point they can get. So I'm not surprised they took that field goal shot. Now, um, again, when we were talking before we started to uh, record this, we spoke about the football gods because I, I, I was saying I was praying to those football gods about how the how the result was going to go, and um, then we talked about how you know the football gods certainly weren't kind on Parramatta last night. Now, don't get me wrong, Penrith were uh, were the better team, but uh, you were then talking about 
the the football gods in in terms of like the HIAs that happened. The incidents. Oh, yeah, the, that, the HIAs so, were, were yeah. real brutal in terms of momentum. You know, we yes, we end up getting the penalty for the Will Penasini uh, high shot, which once again, how do the on field official uh, on field officials miss that? That is embarrassing uh, in terms of the high shots, but it forces. Can I just say? Can I just say? Um, bloke next to me, I won't tell you the sorts of language that was coming out of his mouth and the accusations that he was making about Will Penasini and a, and a, and about ice with that later incidents. But let me assure people that um, the the C bombs were dropped. <laughs> the the word soft was thrown in there. Shakespearean. Uh, the the, the words there. weak. Um, you know. Uh, anyway, but yeah, how it was missed, yeah, and, is is unbelievable. Yeah, and like I said, as as much as the game was fairly well caught for the most part, those sort of things just really make you wonder why do you have touch judges? Anyway, but it forces uh, Murata from lock forward where he was carving in good inroads to the centres, and obviously he's he's fine defensively in the centres, but it really hurts your forward pack in a game where you're up against like the best all round forward pack in the competition. So you, you can't really afford those little bumps. And then, you know, you go on and the big one, Mitchell Moses. Uh, Penrith did have the ascendancy at that point in the game, but if the Eels were to make any sort of comeback, it was going to be on the back of Mitchell Moses and his kicking game and his ability to play make. And unfortunately, he gets replaced by Jake, who I thought actually did... You look at the tape, he actually did some good things in the attack. He only scored an individual try, uh, put Wanga out um, into space beautifully with a nice little cutout pass. But the, the, it was offset by the fact that Nathan Cleary managed to make a line break through him because he doesn't have the pace that uh, Mitchell does defensively and he obviously kicked out in the fall. So it was a mixed bag from Jake. But he was replacing Moses and, and that's a huge hole to to fill. So, yeah, that that was a backbreaker right there. When Moses went off, just you, you could feel all the energy just sap from the Eels. Well, one of the tough things about a game like that is that um, and I know, <laughs> I know, because there was, um, I started getting bombarded by messages that were um, directed about Jake, um, that he was going to be the target for criticism after the game, and and like you were saying, I I couldn't believe that uh, those sorts of comments were coming in because it, it, it's, you know, it, the Panthers, the Panthers, first of all, clearly, clearly, as you said had the ascendancy. But secondly, um, you've got he he actually created more questions in attack in that short period. But look, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that like that was that was a shocking kick and it came about through taking too long to get to his kick. Yeah, in the that, in his what, in his prep. That's and what secondly my mind. that Sorry. and that, that defensive read you know the the thing about coming in uh, to a game into a finals like that is that um, you have to immediately get up to the pace of the game. That yeah, the game there is, there is, yeah, at. there is no sort of adapting period in there. You don't get the yeah, visual and game. and the unfortunate thing was that between he and Will Penasini in that moment, um, they 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 both made errors in their movement and with the um, with what Penrith threw at them at that point in time. So, but. For for that to be the main take that some might make out of it in terms of finding that the 
the loss could be attributed to, to Jake. That's what blows my mind. Is like you can absolutely come to this game and level warranty criticism at Jake for a couple of those errors. Just, yeah, as you, it, just, it, just, just as you can say, yes, he did some good things as well. But if your main takeaway coming out of this game is that he cost us the game, then what game were you watching? You know, like, well, I think I think the problem was with each of those errors, and it wasn't just those errors. It was the there was also the one where uh, it was that from where he put uh, Wonga Blake away, and then Blake threw that pass that dribbled along the ground behind Jake, and and the ball was judged to be knocked on. Um, that the camera zoomed in. The footage camera, like the coverage camera, zoomed in on Jake, and again, this is what what happens when uh, when you're watching it at home on TV is that you are coloured by the images that you're shown, and unfortunately, with each of his errors, and also the the plays, the times where the play broke down, the close up would go on Jake out there, and. You know, and but anyway, well, you we, don't, we, we don't want to, yeah, you don't want to pile onto an individual player. But if you are going to point the finger in this game, unfortunately for Wanga, he had, like you said, a sort of historic night or in, you know, infamously historic night when it came to it, four errors. But he wasn't Robinson Crusoe. There were, no. there were three other players, including Jake, with double, not double digit, but multiple errors to their name, uh, Quentin Gufferson and Mike Acevo, Jake. And then on top of that, you had Will Penasini, Reed Marnie. Ryan Madison also created errors, and then Junior, who unfortunately made the error, but then was so con- convinced that he didn't make the error, threw away our challenge in the opening exchanges. So yeah, the, across the board, the Eels were sloppy when it came to handling, and uh, you know, unfortunately, in particular, Wanga, you know, just it, it was one of those games. And yes, Quinton Gufferson could have done more to protect him, but you know, if you're going to come to this game saying Jake was the reason that we lost it, then you know, you, it's pretty clear that you're coming to the game for gender. Yeah, it's um, and look, I I understand where where people um, have concerns because they're they're judging Jake against Mitch Moses, and no one is suggesting that a nineteen year old halfback is is the equivalent of a of a twenty seven twenty eight year old halfback who's probably playing the best football of his career. At the age of twenty seven, twenty eight, so let's let's make let's make that perfectly clear. Let's also make it clear that the the opposing halfback, Nathan Cleary, is one of the absolute elite in the competition, not just in his position, but as a player, as a as a commander out on the field. Like he's he's just out there in one of those classes on his own, especially at, the, at this level of football. I know there's people who have raised questions about him at, at, at origin football, but tell you what, there's there's very few better than him in, in club football. And it, just look where the, Pan- the Panthers are sitting in the competition to realise mm. that's, that's he's a big part of that picture. So, um, yeah, it's... Look, Jake's a... Jake's a work in progress, and and you know what? As it turned out, we got an injury to the halves, and he was needed to be called on in the halves. So, uh, as far as I'm concerned, when he when he was named there, uh, I knew why he was named there, and it was and as it turned out, it might have been for a different reason to a head injury. But you know, the, whether whether BA goes ahead and um, and selects Jake again. This week, obviously, will depend on the opponent and what 
what his thoughts are around what positions he has to cover going into this week. So well, uh, it might well be that, you know, Mitch Moses goes in with a cloud over him because of the uh, cat, concussion. A cat one HIA. In Mitch's favour, there isn't a history of concussions. He's obviously battling that broken finger that he's trying to heal up on the fly, but not a history of concussions. So it had to be a pretty severe knock, and it, it, it certainly wasn't a minor knock when he got bumped by Kiko by getting his head in the wrong place. But it had to be a pretty bad knock uh, to rule him out of a sudden death final. So I am expecting him to play. My early mail is my early mail is that he's um, that he's pulled up. Quite, quite okay. Okay, so uh, as expected, but thankfully, you know, obviously, play play welfare is a huge part of this game now. It should, it always has been, but even more so now. It's good to hear that he's okay in the immediate yeah. wake of the the knock. So I expect him to play. Eels now hosting a home final at Combank Stadium against one of the Melbourne Storm or the Canberra Raiders. We're going to find out uh, this afternoon, actually, as we record on the Saturday which of those two teams will be making the trip to Sydney. If we're expecting Mitchell Moses to take to the field 60s and you've got Jake as a maybe, depending on how Brad wants to shape that bench for, like for needs or, or strategy, um, you, you sort of indicate that you think he's going to stick with Wanga, but it's a big call. It is a very – it could be a game-defining call, you know, whether you stick or, or roll with someone else on that right wing because there is no way that Craig Bellamy and Ricky Stewart are going to miss that on their film review and they're not going to make it a core part of their game plan to attack that side with the, the bombs. Yeah, uh, look, we know that that's going to be how it will unfold in terms of uh, if Wonga plays, that he's going to be the target. But the other side of the coin has to be the responsibility that our players put into putting pressure on the kicker. Because you put pressure on the kicker, you, we saw what happened with... Matt Burton, who is absolutely one of the best in the competition at hoisting those awkward, spiralling, wobbling kicks that seem to reach the heavens before they come down, but put the pressure on him and all you're going to get is end-over-end kicks. And he he wasn't able to deliver any of those uh, testing kicks when we played the Bulldogs the last time. Um, other teams that have had the complete ascendancy over the Bulldogs again, haven't had to face those sorts of kicks from him. So it comes down to what do the Eels defenders, what do the ones that are put, the players that are putting the pressure on the kicker, what do they come up with? How much time do they give those kickers? Mm -hmm. Because again, you've, if the, if the kickers got all that time to prepare then they're going to deliver those. Now, you you see what happens when you give the player no time to prepare for the kick, like happened with uh, last night with Jake. The pressure got the, the, the chasers coming through um, to put the pressure on the kick, and he's, he's taken too long in, in getting into his kick. He's looked to prepare too long. He's shoved it out on the full. And... If that that's what you need to do, I mean Penrith executed that well on him. We need to put the pressure on the, whoever the kicker is. Yep. But like you, I I do have concerns that it's there's going to be um, follow up there. And 
you know, aside from replacing Wonga, um, I was wondering even through the game that because his headspace was so gone, I, w- I was thinking in defence, do they shut, like when it gets to the kick, should Opacic be dropping back for the kick instead mm-hmm. of Wonga? Um, and I know there's a risk involved in that because as soon as the Panthers notice that, hang on, the centre has gone back, say, on the fourth tackle. Do they suddenly go over there because oh, communication's you, you, you everything? Absolutely, you'd absolutely think that Cleary, given how well he was playing, would pretty quickly pick up that we're doing the, the switcheroo and would try and exploit it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I guess as a coach, you have to have faith in the blokes that are out there. <laughs> there I mean, there were, I'm trying to think who the, um, who the winger was uh, back for South many years ago. might have been Steve Maven. But there was a, a infamous semi-final where I think he was hooked after about twenty or twenty-five minutes, where he made error after error with kicks going through to him or carries. But he was because in those days, when you came off the field, you were off the field. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he was hooked after about twenty, twenty-five minutes of a finals match, and uh, I don't know that he ever fully lived it down. But that's that's something that. Um, you know, as I said, it's probably going to go down in infamy with uh, how many drops last night. But yeah, it's like the Eels are bereft of options to replace Wonga too. Bowie Simonson, Sean Russell, both there, both comfortable playing on the right wing. Um, it might end up being a defining call for Brad Arthur because, you know, if, if the Stormwall Raiders are able to win the game on the back of exploiting Wonga's uh, issues, you know, just his lack of confidence after the first mistake that happens, then it's going to going to be an ugly look. Uh, we we know <clears throat> we know that Brad loves to back his troops. Like the guys that are there, if they have a bad game, he backs them not to to back it up into a second loss, like we saw all year. Eels didn't drop consecutive games throughout the regular season. If that holds true next week, it means they're going to be playing for the grand final qualifier or in the grand final qualifier. But yeah, just it's, it is hard. And you know, like I said, you don't want to pile onto a man. You don't want to kick a man when he's down because Wonga no doubt knows he had a shocker. Like he's not going to be you know hiding from that. But yeah, you know, like by the same token as fans, it's just like, look how many times you dropped the ball, you know. So yeah, mm. yeah. So look, if I, I want to give a few overall impressions again before we start to wrap up and give uh, and give our um, who we think might have been the best players last night and maybe what we can look forward to. But uh, prior to the match, uh, the odds were something like a a dollar forty to two dollars ninety, two dollars ninety five. For um, how how the the punters saw the game going, how most of the experts saw the game going, so um, uh, do we come out of this game with a high level of of disappointment, or did it play out as maybe the um, it might have been expected to play? Oh, I'm I'm a bit of both. I, there's aspects of the game that I was disappointed and, and critical of with Parramatta. Um, first of all, uh, just to be specific about that, and we've spoken at length about Wonga Blake, but we rarely got the ball beyond our edge, like the just the very start mm. of the edge last night. I think the only time we saw it really get out to the wings actually was when Jake got on the field. Um, but it was, and towards the end after that, like, you know, Sivo got a few charges um, that he got to play at the line. But 
how many carries did we see Sean Lane able to make last night? Yeah, just it just never left, seemed to get never edge. seemed to get to him. Yeah, being so yeah. critical to setting up all of our best plays this season, and just they weren't involved enough. No, and, and it was it was like the ball was barely getting past Moses and Brown. That you know it was I know that it was getting past them, but it just it there was an impression that. Oh, but you even even you looking at your core playmakers sixties. Like you, you were sort of pointing out to me, uh, Quinton Gufferson, seven runs, 61 metres. Yes. Dill, six runs, 54 metres, a chunk of which came after Mitch went down. Mitch himself, yep. three runs, 21 metres. Like yes. you, you, you do have to pay homage to the Penrith defence and how stifling they can be. But our playmakers need to be more involved, need to be more aggressive, taking on the defensive line, asking more questions. Because those questions that you ask early on set up different questions to ask later on. So, well, the best the best of our spine last night was Reed Marnie. Yeah, absolutely. And and <clears throat> Reed to be and, and let's be brutally honest, Reed had not featured in our discussions about who was who'd been best on field in the spine many times at all this year. Mm-hmm. But he was clearly the best player in the spine last night. The 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 other three that we mentioned there were non-factors. Now. You might normally point the finger at the forwards for that in in any normal yeah, match. But hey, well, the forwards didn't lay the platform. Well, the forwards were, yeah. were winning or, or at the very least competing with the Penrith forwards for, you know, the first 50, 60 minutes of the game last night. Now, I've had it suggested to me that perhaps – in the mind of some of the players there last night, they were trying to not lose the game rather than winning it. The, the, like I'm talking about the key playmakers in our team were doing their best to not lose the game. And I wonder just how accurate that assessment is. Like I'm thinking that might just be a damn good call because – you can sometimes get the sort of errors that we had last night through being afraid of making errors rather than from chancing your arm because the I was I was a bit stunned when you gave me the offload count because I just felt there wasn't many offloads at all and, and maybe it's offloads. because they were just ineffective mm-hmm. offloads again it came it perhaps came down to were Parramatta looking to win or were they looking to not lose? And I've got a feeling that this very astute person that said this to me is bang on the mark in on reflection. And I and I think that that mindset or and, and maybe this comes back to <clears throat> the finals football that we haven't had success in, that there was a a, a, a real fear that we just we have to get through this first week. We have to get through this first week rather than embracing being in the first week mm. of, of being in that top four and being in the position of having a second chance that we should have gone absolutely for the throat and that I think the forwards were aiming up in that regard, but I don't think our playmakers aimed up in that regard. So I'm going to level some blame at our playmakers there. Yeah, I, think that's I fair. thought they took a step. I thought they took a step backward, and as you said, we looked at those run meters of them, and um, really, it just didn't. It just did not measure up uh, one iota. So 
Um, I've got my concerns around there. And, and, you know, where was... I think that measure of the lack of offloads is reflected in that we just didn't see that involvement from Clint Gutherson yep. as well, like where yeah, he's unfortunately, working around the, the ruck. The couple of times he did get involved, got pulled up for a... Uh, I think it was probably a forward, but borderline forward pass called to Mike Acevo, trying to attack from our side of halfway. And, you know, and that mentioned Mike Acevo. Oh, that was a tough call, mate. It that was. was a real, and it was critical. Yeah, it was. It, it, it was when the Eels were trying to uh, free the shackles just a little bit. And, uh, you know, Acevo didn't make a line break, but he made some good metres. And speaking of Micah, you know, inches of scoring a try down the left edge off a, what it was a beautiful Dylan Brown pass. Just one of those nights. You know, Jake was inches of scoring as well. Uh, you know, just Penrith's defense, obviously very committed, a little bit fortuitous too. And by the same token, you know, Eels had a bit of luck too. Nathan Cleary bombed a try uh, in the first half. So, oh, second yeah. half, sorry. So it was just, yeah, one of those games where I, you come out of this game and there is legit criticism and there is legit stuff to be concerned about, but it is not all doom and gloom. You know, we, we were in this up to our eyeballs until nearly the 60th minute. When Brian Toto crossed for his second try, I think it was the 51st minute, and that's when they, they edged back ahead. I think it would have been, it was, was it uh, 13 to 8, right? Was that the yeah. scoring there? Yeah. So yeah. Thir- 13 to 8, uh, in it, up to our eyeballs, and then just, you know, a string of errors paved the way for the Edwards and Harris tries in the 59th and 61st minute. So just a little back-to-back barrage there is what killed us. So, yeah, you, you absolutely come to this game and say, yes, Wanga played poorly. He had a shocker. Our spine were not as involved as they needed to be. But you look at it on the flip side, defensively, very strong throughout huge stretches of this game. You know, guys like Will Penasini and Mitchell Moses were doing a fantastic job on Penrith's electric left edge uh, right up until uh, Mitch got concussed. Uh, you know, so we're going to head into this game, a home game at Combank Stadium, taking on two teams that, you know, much like with the Panthers this year, we know we can beat the Raiders in the Storm. We've got the literally got the results on the board. It's going to be about getting back to playing Parramatta football for the full 80 minutes, you know, cutting out those errors. Uh, Wanga Blake, not, not, not on his own there, you know, the playmakers <clears throat> like Gufferson, um, Mike Acevo too, having multiple errors credited to their name, you know, cut, cut that stuff out and it'll be a huge step towards victory next week and a bo- uh, booking a place in a grand final qualifier, uh, which I believe is now on the Cronulla Cowboys South's Roosters side of the draw. Yeah, yeah. So, mate, um, just before we get on to uh, winding things up, who were your? If we had to give a three-two-one to Parramatta players, who were who were your three-two-ones? Uh, you, you, anyone? And I, I know I gave Warpen a senior shout out defensively, and I thought he actually did some cracking stuff defensively, but just didn't feature enough of the ball in hand. So, if I'm being Brutally honest, I don't think anyone outside of the engine room boys should feature in this particular count this week. Um, I thought they, they left it all out there on the table. Outside of the earlier error from Junior, I think was probably the most egregious in terms of mistakes from our middles. Um, so Reg, Junior, Murata, uh, Maddo, and even Oregon, who the numbers aren't incredible, nine runs, 73 metres, but there was a couple good runs in there and he scored the try. Trying to narrow it down those 60s. Um, I'm, I'm going Reg. For yeah, once, right? I was going to say maybe I go for Big Reg for my three points. And he just he tore in time after time against a, a pretty settled defensive line at times too, and still made some good inroads. So yeah, I'll go for RCG for the three. My my two, I'm going for Reed. For Reed, yeah. I mean, he's part of that middle battery. Um, 
definitely the best of the playmakers, like we mentioned before. Uh, got the try assist. Had a had a neat kick early in the game. Oh, I'm I'm sort of pulled between maybe Madison here. I thought he was pretty good up until about. I mean, he had an error late in the game when it was all over. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll probably go Maddo here. I'm going Maddo for my one, yeah, and then I'll swap. With, I'll, I'll swap with Reeve for my one point. Um, you know, and, and he was very close to two points in this game. Uh, you know, he, he finally found range with those attacking passes on the goal line. Got Oregon over, kicked nicely. Um, and and I will say this: he was this. He ran the ball really strongly once, uh, and the second time he ran the ball, and the marker was not square, <laughs> and he got yeah. he got dispossessed, and was he was absolutely baffled looking at the referee as to how it wasn't a call. And I I completely sympathise with him because he, he had the marker not square, ran, engaged it, and then just got the ball taken off him because for whatever reason it wasn't deemed. Uh, and ironically, he would go on to be absolutely hammered in the final 20 minutes by the referee for not being square at marker. Yeah, I uh, know. But, but, but again, um, this is what starts to happen when you're, when the real momentum of the game starts running against you. It's Those calls are just going to, they're not going to go your way. No. And yeah, and it's it's easy to sit there and gripe about it because you know you look at them and the, yes, they are bad calls, but you know they're a function of so many mistakes and and missed opportunities being you know brought upon the Eels' own shoulders. Well, ultimately, we need the bounce back factor that we've had all season, where where Parramatta hasn't lost two in a row all season, to really be in evidence this week. Uh, it's. I came out of last night thinking, uh, and and I'm trying to think of the right way to word this, that we lost the game on, this, this doesn't sound right to start off with, I want to explain it. We lost the game on our merits. Now, what I mean by that is that the better team won the game mm-hmm. and that Parramatta made far too many errors but we also did turn up and we can't look at the officials yes. for the reason for losing oh, no, so the film review is going to be 100% on our own shoulders of this on this one yes, you know, like I said, yes. Missed so opportunities, we, we, errors. we we can look in the mirror understand and this is what I I want the players to hopefully be going through today that they can look in the mirror they can understand that the loss came down to uh, certain moments or or certain ways that they played the game, but they shouldn't be disappointed in... It, it wasn't a loss like some of those losses that we had this year where they were just disgracefully didn't turn up. It was a game where they turned up but it wasn't quite it they didn't perform at their optimum but it wasn't a question of effort if that you know like I, to me that was one of the best first halves of finals football that you're going to see mm-hmm. in terms of intensity and collision and whatever and, and it's why I, I understand if we bomb out next week people are going to be upset and rightfully so you you don't want to go out in straight sets again but all the doom talk coming out of this game blows my mind you know we we took the reigning premiers who were playing literally their best football of the season, by the way, you know, deep into the game on the back of a game where we coughed up the ball a ton of times. 
Yes. You, know, the, yeah. you can absolutely be frustrated that we lost this game, but don't be upset. You know, no, this is this is where this is what I wanted to say because uh, you you really just prompted me w- with what you just said. Then this is something that is readily rectifiable because this wasn't a case of the the team not as I said not turning up. It was you can identify. Okay, we need to do this better. We need to do this better. We need to do this better. It, it's there. It's full of the the there for BA to address with the team and for the team to find it in themselves as well. And I think that the attitudinal part of it is just be a bit more positive in your mindset. Don't go, don't be out there being afraid of losing the game, be out there embracing Mm -hmm. being in the finals and, and, and taking the game to the opposition. And, and I say that not at the forwards, I'm saying that at our key playmakers, because I think that was essentially the, the difference there between the team as as well as the fact that Penrith are just a, a, a quality, quality team and unfortunately the the match went from going to be a grind because that's what it was going to be. It was going to be a, a battle of attrition to um, too many errors, just allowing uh, the the tear-away minor premiers, the reigning premiers, if you give them possession and territory, you are inviting them to start to get away from you on the scoreboard. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, that's what it was. And it went away from being Parramatta being in a chance for winning a game of attrition, which is really, that's how we've competed against Penrith, isn't it? Like in... In all those yeah. uh, all those other matches, and we, it was going to be more of the same. And, and uh, Bernie predicted that that it was going to be we weren't going to see anything different to what we saw before. And you pointed it out. This was like part two of the finals match from last year, um, and those errors allowed it to get away from what it was going to be. And speaking of like that sort of overarching theme of competing against Penrith, one way or the other. You just sort of knew at the back of your mind going into this game, win or lose, that for the Parramatta Eels to win the premiership, you're going to have to take on the Panthers a fourth time, whether it would be as victors or losers out of this game. you know. So there is plenty left unwritten in that regard. Eels now having to win a further two games to take on the Panthers potentially in the big dance. But it just felt like that, didn't it? That the Panthers are the benchmark. They are the best. Even if we had their number last night, they would have bounced back and met us in the grand final and that means that there's something unresolved, something left to do right up until grand final day now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there is an element, isn't there, that because uh, throwing in the um, the preseason trial um, that we would have been last night if we had got on top of them, that would have been 4-0 for the season. And the likelihood, if if we were to get to, through to the grand final, you would have had to have played them for the fifth time to expect to defeat the Panthers five times in one year, statistically. Yeah, a team as good as that is improbable, I think is the word we're looking for. Yeah, so maybe there's an element where that type of um, monkey on the back or or the pressure prior to – and, again, we're talking about hypotheticals, but maybe – 
maybe that's a, a good thing. I, I, I still would have loved to have been through to week three of the finals now rather than going through that second week. And then we know what the media attention is going to be this week. We know they're going to feature on a Parramatta going to go out in, in straight weeks mm-hmm. again. And we, we keep saying, yeah, on the surface, that's exactly what's happened in in previous seasons. But when you break down each each year, there is a circumstance around that. The fact is, whatever the circumstance is this year, we just have to be better. So Absolutely. Yeah. And, I mean, we're hoping, hoping – fully expecting a sold-out bank or Combank, sorry, stadium coming into what I believe will be the Friday slot because I think logistically, given that the other opponent plays today and that the Roosters and Souths play on Sunday, there's no way they're going to force the the, uh, the winner of that game to play on a Friday on a really short turnaround. So I've got us booked into that Friday night slot, 60s, taking on the winner of the Melbourne Storm or the Canberra Raiders. Yeah, so, and I think that's probably going to mean that the Cumberland throw will be, uh, in all likelihood, in Jack's bar and yeah, grill. Win or lose, hopefully win, obviously. Yeah, after uh, the game. Um, so uh, stand by for more details on that. I'll be talking to um, our good friends at Parramatta Leagues Club during the week this week just to uh, confirm everything around that. So, um, yeah, stand by on that. And as always, thanks for stopping by and giving us a listen on the back of a tough loss Eels uh, down the scoreboard, but still in the fight for the finals, which is why finishing the top four was such a big deal for us. And I'm looking forward to them bouncing back in a big fashion next week, 60s. But until then, stay safe, guys, and enjoy all the content on thecumberlandfro.com. Go you, Eels.